What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful that you're with us. As always, my name is Caleb Rutherford, and I'm the host. And uh, it, it's been a joy to be on the Scattered Abroad Network to kick off this season last week, uh, season number six with episode one, as we are talking about transforming our worship. And today, episode number two, we are going to be talking about this idea of bullseye. Are you on target? And we're going to talk uh, today once again with our guest, Josh Cantrell. Josh, thanks again for taking some time to be on the podcast, man. Good to be here, man. Good to see you. Happy to be here. Happy to be a part of it. Yes, sir. Excited uh, for this episode. As we say before, every episode here on the Scattered Abroad Network, if you wouldn't mind going to our website, scatteredabroad.org, checking us out and looking at all the other podcasts that we offer, you can find us on any major podcast platform. All of that information is in the show notes below. As well, if you wouldn't mind wanting to, if you want to stay up to date with the network, the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, scroll all the way down and sign up for our email list. We send two, uh, two emails out, uh, monthly, one at the beginning, uh, that kind of is kind of a little bit more informational about some of the things that are going, that are going on just to keep you up to date with analytics and things like that. Uh, but then the second one is a little bit more biblical. We send out some articles and things like that. So if you want to stay up to date and have those things, then subscribe to our email list. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Also, if you wouldn't mind whatever podcast platform you use, if you wouldn't mind, give us a rating or review that certainly would benefit us and the, um, and the audiences that we are able to reach, the higher the ratings are, the more, uh, we are able to reach out to. So certainly we would appreciate that. Transforming our worship. What an awesome, uh, awesome season to be able to do. Uh, worship is so important. It is so vital that we make sure we get our worship right. Uh, that is one, really our purpose as to being here on this earth, um, glorifying God and elevating him above everything because of what he has done for us and how powerful he is. So well, let's talk about this idea of bullseye. Are you on target, Josh? Let's, let's talk about this. Who are we actually worshiping as we go through, you know, Every first day of the week when we gather together to assembly, who is the aim of our worship? Because I think a lot of people really have this confused. Yes, sir. Absolutely. As always, you know, man, I I, I just love the Old Testament. And, <laughs> right. Uh, when, when you think about the tabernacle, of course, when you go into the holy place and the holy of holies and on the back side of the tabernacle, due west, you have the Ark of the Covenant overlaid with pure gold, seraphims, all, all everything that's associated with that. And of course, that was the representation for God, for his people. And then, of course, you think about the temple, of course, ultimately bringing us into New Testament Christianity and the way we worship God today. Of course, John right. 4 and verse number 24 here today. So our aim for our worship, the, the, the one that we're worshiping. But, you know, when you think about that question, the one we're worshiping, I also ask a different question along the same lines. Who is the only one that is worthy of our worship? Right. Who is the only one that we should be willing to bow down and to worship? Uh, recently, I was able to preach here at Avondale from uh, Daniel chapter three. And of course, you know, you know, the first two chapters, any of itself, there's just so much information there. Right. So it took me about an hour to get through the first two chapters before <laughs> I even got to chapter three. And you think about, um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and yep. their willingness not to bow down to the God that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And it's and again, I always like to think, you know, those weren't the only three Jews in Babylon at that time who right. were, you know, these are the only men that stood up, uh, you know, amidst all these other Jews here. 
But these men told the king, ultimately, we're, we're not going to bow down to your God. You know, ultimately, in, you, you know, in layman's terms, your God is, is nothing. Right. He's, he's empty. He's right. void, which lets the king know and let everyone else in Babylon know as well. There's only one God who is truly deserving of us bowing down to. I think about Acts chapter 17 when Paul is in the Areopagus and Mars Hill's there. And in verse number 22 there, Paul begins preaching God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and Lord of earth. He dwells in temple, not made with man's hands there. So again, Paul redirects them. Paul says, here you are with all these gods throughout this place. And you even have a, an inscription to the unknown God just in case you miss one. And Paul says, let me redirect you to right. the one true living God. There is only one God that is deserving and worthy of the worship that we give to him. And so, you know, when you think about this question, who are we actually worshiping? We're not worshiping the preacher. We're not worshiping yeah. the song leader. I know some people, man, they they only want to go to worship if a certain song leader is, lingy, right. is, is leading that Sunday or you have a congregation that has multiple preachers. Well, I'm only going to go if that preacher is preaching. Right. We're going for the wrong reasons. Yep. It's, 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 it's not the messenger, it's the message. And so you have to make sure that our worship is dependent on the one who created us. We are actually, we have the privilege of worshiping the God in heaven, the creator of everything in this world. That's the one that our worship should be dedicated towards. Right. I think we have used... And I think kind of maybe dumbed down the term worship um, mm -hmm. because we use it so flippantly in our society. Right? We talk about worshiping other people and other things. And, you know, a lot of times we do it not really actually meaning that we are going to worship them, but just that we idolize them or we hold them up on a pedestal. And I think a lot of times we've dumbed down this term worship to where it's kind of lost some of its meaning, at least in our society and in our language. Um, but you think about people who go into a worship service for something physical right for to mm -hmm. gain something physical we talked about that a little bit last last week in our in our episode but you know the idea kind of you talked about you know you only go for a certain preacher you only go for a certain song leader or for certain you know any of that or whatever it doesn't matter who is up there doing whatever they're doing if they're doing it according to the scriptures then you as an individual need to be there with the right mindset in that you are there to worship a God and you're going to focus on God and what God has commanded you to do, not what anybody else there uh, is doing. But you think, you think about God being the aim of our worship. And you really, if you really, if you just read throughout the entire book of Psalms, it is over and over and over and over again. You think about uh, Psalm 96 and verse nine, Psalm 29, verse two, 66, verse four, 99, verse five, 86, verse nine, um, 95 and verse six, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know, so many passages over and over and over throughout the book of Psalms that all have to do with, with magnifying God's name and worshiping him. And it is so vitally important that we remember that he is our aim, because when we do remember, when we keep in mind that God is the one that we worship, that he is our aim, then it affects Number one, the way that we worship, but then number two, the how in, 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 in we worship, right? Our attitude and the way that we view and focus worship. If, if God is our aim, we're going to be worshiping the way that he has commanded us. And then we're also going to make sure that we do it in the right attitude. There's a reason why when you look at all of these churches that are out there in our world, there's a reason why their worship is not 
in accordance with the word of God. There's a reason why they are doing extracurricular things or bringing things in or taking things out. And that's because they're worshiping to please themselves. They're worshiping in a, in a way that says, this is what I want to do because it makes me feel good. I don't want to do that. And when you do that, you, you're beginning to see, okay, my, my aim is not where it needs to be because if I'm worshiping God, then I'm going to do what God has commanded me to do. So it's important to remember who we are actually worshiping uh, it, it, when we do worship, and that being God, the creator, the sustainer, and the savior uh, of us all. Um, let's talk about this. When we, we've talked a lot already about worshiping God, him being the aim, him being the, odd, uh, him being the one that we are focusing on, um, and how we are there for him. So I guess it does in some ways, and we've already alluded to this a little bit, but it does in some way beg the question, I think, that as participants in worship, do we, do we get to gain anything from worship? Or are we going week in and week out, um, time and time again, simply for God and for God alone, and we are just there and that's it? But do we gain anything from worship? You know, man, that that is a very, very direct and honest question. You know, I think about from from this perspective, many of us, we check off prayer and we check off Bible reading throughout our week as if we're doing God a favor. Well, right. I've done my Bible reading. I've sent my prayers up to God. You know, I've sent my contribution via the app or whatever the congregation allows me to do that with. And it's almost if, you know, the notion we you know, we're we're just giving, you know, we don't really get anything out of it. Right. But it's, it's so interesting because when we change our perspective, we're only, first of all, we're only giving God was already his anyway, because right. there's nothing we have belongs right. to us. And so when we ask the question, do we as participants gain anything from worship? I think we only gain what we put into it. Sure. Like anything else. Um, I know for me, if I'm not even preaching that particular Sunday, I love to listen to gospel right. preaching. I love right. to learn. I love to be challenged and I love to grow. And it's like, man, when you take away the the application and the message from the sermon, that's just one aspect of me getting something out of worship. Of course, the preacher is challenging me in my relationship with God, but he's also encouraging me as well to know like, hey, man, you're not alone. Keep going. You right. know, you, you are definitely not by yourself. When I think about being able to think back on the Lord's Supper every single Sunday, when I'm able to adjust my mind and think back to how much the savior of the universe, how much he loved me and how much he was willing to die and sacrifice for me, man, that's me gaining something. That's me gaining a deeper love and a greater appreciation for the savior in heaven. When I think that God has entrusted me to be able to give of the job he's blessed me with back to the kingdom of God, like, right. man, that doesn't, I mean, if that's not you gaining something from worship and you see your a brother or sister, they have a need and you can meet that need. Right. I've been studying about discipleship. And by the time you get to Acts chapter four, of course, Peter and John with the council. But when you get to the end of Acts chapter four, up to verse number 37 there, the Bible talks about how they gave of their means and how the and, and, and how the brethren laid these things down at the apostles feet. When I know that I can meet the need of my brother or sister in Christ, man, that's me gaining something from worship. When I get to sing praises up to the God in heaven, it's almost like some people think that when we get to heaven, we're just going to be hanging out, you know, I don't know, playing a video game on it. We're going to be singing praises up to God. Right. And the fact that we get to do that here on earth is preparing us for eternity. Again, there it is, me gaining and me getting something out of the worship 
that I'm giving up to God. So again, if a person was to ask us today, like, hey, man, I'm just not really giving anything out of worship. My next question would be, okay, well, where's your mind at? You know, right. what are you putting in in order for you to get something out of? And, and we all have to be honest with ourselves and challenge ourselves in a way that makes us uncomfortable. But like the word you talked about, we also have to be intentional about that as well. What am I putting into my worship so I can get something out of it so I can be pleasing and do what God will have me to do? Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think that's a great point. Um, that's kind of where I was going with this question and the idea of, you know, we've talked about before, obviously it takes, it takes diligent effort. It takes intentional effort um, and takes us consciously being aware of what we are doing um, in worship to to gain anything from it to gain the edification and the encouragement and to gain a building a stronger relationship with god and i like how you had gone through some of the acts of worship and that's kind of what i was thinking in my mind too when you think about these acts of worship and you think about how if you are someone who just simply sits there because you have to be there or because you don't want a phone call from somebody asking why you weren't there then you're not going to get anything out of worship whatsoever you're just there just for the sake of being there but when you are there with the intent of I'm going to worship my God who created me, who has saved me, who has allowed me an opportunity to do this, and I'm going to put all of myself into this worship, then it's going to be a rewarding experience to, to, to be there and to be able to reflect on the Lord's Supper, to, to, to be able to sing with your brothers and sisters, to be able to gain from that fellowship that you have with them. Um, you know, the idea of giving and, and the preaching and, and all of these things, you know, the idea of prayer, being able to to lift up other people in prayer and to be able to strengthen that bond and relationship that you have with God. All of those things are all wrapped up in this idea of worship and how if they're done in the right way, then, yeah, we're going to be blessed because of it. We're going to be better off because of it. And I don't know, Josh, if you, you know, I'm sure you feel this way, too, when you when you if there's an something that comes up um like like a couple of weeks ago i came home from bible camp and i was i was sick i was running a fever for like five days um and i wasn't able to go to worship on sunday you have you miss that you have that longing for it at least you should and so you know what i would say is to some people who maybe you know they they enjoy opportunities where they don't have to go to worship or you know different things like that um, we're, and i'm going to talk more about that with some other people as we get on through this through this season but it's important you know, to think about our attitudes when we, when we have this idea of worship, this topic at hand, because if we have an attitude of, I'm okay with not being there, then we need to make sure that we have an attitude check and that we understand what exactly is that we're doing and why we're worshiping, right? You know, okay, look, about a week from now, we're going to get to go to PTP. Right. People spend hundreds and thousands of dollars a year to go to polishing the pulpit right not that's probably an exaggerated number but you get my point and of course we get to go throughout the week and we get to go to different classes learn different things but it's nothing like that sunday morning worship right when you have four or five thousand people together listening to the message singing praises unto god going through the five acts of worships that you know, that in the atrium singing, that is probably one of yeah. the closest things we're going to get to heaven on this side of eternity. Right. And, and, and people wonder, you know, like, man, why is the worship such a big deal? And it's almost like, you know, when people ask that question, it's like, well, you've never been there. Right. It's, it's just one of those things you have to go and see for yourself, because once you leave, 
you're going to take that same energy and motivation back to your local congregation and you're going to want to encourage people the more to be in worship because man when you're not here when your seat is empty we miss you like we need you to be here at worship i know when when david talks about in the old testament there david says we're gonna you're you're we're, we're going to miss you ultimately because your seat is going to be empty. Same thing is true in worship. When you're not here, we miss you. Right. We need you to be in worship. Think about during the whole COVID-19 era when we weren't able to worship in the building the way we wanted to. Man, people were at home just going crazy, man. Like, when are we going to get back in the building? We right. can all be worship. You know, let's let's go outside. Let's, you know, let's social distance out there because we, we understand the importance of what worship does for us and what it gives us it sustains us throughout our week i tell you what man as as preachers not only do we get the best seat in the house because we're preaching and we get to see everybody but we also get to see people's excitement like some people man they are just so excited to be in worship and to hear the preaching of the gospel and that's something we should never take for granted no you're exactly right it's it's so important that you know it's 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 kind of interesting you talk about that because like a ptp and you think about even like at Bible camps, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in one of the terms I preach. It's there's almost like like a little bit of like a utopia, right? We've created where it's so easy to do the right thing and to worship in the right way. But then leaving and going back to your home congregations, you know, it's easy to get back into that rut and to be become methodical in that. And I think it's important for us to remember, you know, like you said, take that energy, the fire, the zeal that you have from something like that and go and continue that and then influence the people around you to to have the right kind of attitudes towards worship um, that, that you have as well. So let, let's close out with this. And I think we've already alluded this a little bit, but what do you say to someone who has who says maybe, well, I just didn't get anything out of worship today, or this just wasn't a, you know, a, a pleasing experience for me uh, in my work. So what do you say to someone who says something like that? You know, verse that comes to mind for me, I want to make sure I get it right. Matthew chapter five, when Jesus, of course, is preaching the great sermon on the Mount, Jesus ultimately begins this, this point of the sermon on the mountain there, uh, talking about our treasure and our minds and and everything that's associated with that. And Matthew chapter seven is what I want. Verse number 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's difficult to worship someone you don't love. You know, when 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 people worship their homes or their cars or a person, it's because they love them. Right. And many of us, as we went through the whole dating phase and as we began buying a new car and as we're buying a new home, well, the first thing that catches our attention is what we see. Like, man, this is really beautiful. This is this is nice. This is something that is just so different. I've never seen it before. And that's the same thing is true in worship. Because you, you're you only going to worship what you love. And so when people have this notion they didn't get anything out of worship today, it's like, well, you know, do you ch- ch- challenge yourself and ask yourself the questions that are needed? Like, man, do I really love God? Am I, is, is my relationship really where it needs to be in order for me to be a pleasing to acceptable to God with my worship? Again, many of us worship other things because we love them. Uh, and again, God is not saying or suggesting we can't love those things, but we can't love those things more than him. Of course, that's another sermon altogether. But back to the original question here, when, when when people utter the phrase, I didn't get anything out of worship, again, going back to the previous question, what did you put in? Right. Again, you're, you're, you're only going to put as much in as you love. And so right. if you love God 
more than anything in the world, then your worship and what you receive back is also going to be evident of that as well. Right. Love is a motivating factor, right? And so, and you, again, you go back to that, to the, the illustration of, of a marital relationship, you know, you are going to serve one another. You're going to be there for one another. You're going to help them and sacrifice for them. Why? Because you love them. Because you right. want what is best for them. And the exact is the exact same thing with with our relationship with God and the worship that we offer Him. If we love God, then we're going to do whatever it is that He has asked of us to do. And that even that that also is the same thing as it comes to our worship. If we really love God, we're going to worship Him in the way that He has prescribed for us to do so. And we're going to do it with the right attitude too. We're not going to do it grudgingly. We're not going to do say, "Well, this is what God has said, so I guess I have to do it this way, even though it doesn't make me happy." Whatever. It's you're going to be happy. You're going to to feel blessed and grateful to do it if you have the right kind of attitude for him uh, and towards him. I just think that's so important for us to remember today. So Josh, appreciate your thoughts again on this episode. Uh, looking forward to episode number three next week with Josh as well. And uh, certainly we'll be looking forward to what we're going to talk about there as we talk about transforming our worship all season long. Thank you so much for being with us. Looking forward to being with you next week. Until then, and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.